Welcome home. It is uh, great to have you here today. My name is Joshua. I'm one of the pastors here at, at the church. And, and today, we are really unpacking what it means to be home for Christmas. And we're going to look at a story that is found in, in our Bibles, because people love stories. Stories are transcendent. Uh, in fact, Jesus loved to tell stories. His stories were called, though, parables in our Bible. Parables are a, uh, an earthly story, but with a, a heavenly meaning. I like how one author said, they help reveal the truth in a way that would easily be remembered and understood by those who hear it. So for Jesus in his day, he loved to communicate in an understanding way, and it would be through story. In fact, he has 30 specific ones in our Bible, and a gentleman by the name of, of Luke, he actually records 24 of those stories. He was so moved by them, he's like, I got to put these down from pen to paper. And he was a follower of Jesus, so if you would with me this morning, would you open up your Bibles to the, to the book of Luke, uh, chapter Chapter 15 today, and uh, maybe get you in the mindset of like the Mandalorian. Some of you, you're like, all right, Luke, cool. Uh, I can go there, some Star Wars action. But I, I, I love stories. You know, it's really stories are, are great. My kids, they, at nighttime, they'll say, Dad, can you tell us a Jesus story? Can you tell us a story? Um, or, or you go around the outside camping. You got to have that, that campfire story. Uh, or even, you know, we read a book. Because a book is all about stories. Or you watch a movie. It's just a, a glorified story. Stories are powerful. They're impacting. And the story that we are going to hear, it's just not an ordinary story about ordinary people. But it's actually God takes the ordinary and he makes it extraordinary. He takes something that's so natural in our, in our ways, but he, he, he levies it to the supernatural. So when we read it through the context of the lens here in Scripture, this morning, I pray that God would do the supernatural within you, and you would understand just who he is. See, this, this story is really about who he is. It's about his characteristics, and it's about our lives and how we think of our lives sometimes in the mindset of those characteristics. And the story that he's going to bring about in chapter 15 are three stories that happen to deal with lost things. You ever have a, something that's been lost before, uh, like I, Mary, ever lose your keys? Uh, I, 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 I tend to lose my keys. My wife says, and I, and I would say, no, I've just misplaced them. They're they're somewhere. They always pop up, but maybe you've lost a wallet. Maybe you've lost your kids. Uh, maybe you've lost. Uh, uh, they, they, you, but they rediscover them in, in the store, in the in the mall, someplace. Not to say that I've ever done that yet. Uh, maybe we we did. I, I, I love, though, I love the fact that, you know, God knows where every hidden thing is. And, that, and that's an important truth that we need to understand today. So you might personally actually be at a place where you can identify with something that has been lost. You actually might be in a place where you've lost your marriage or you're losing your marriage. You might be in a place right now where you are lose, losing your, been at loss with your own finances. Maybe you're at a at a place where you've actually lost a loved one this year. Maybe you've lost your job. You've lost a son or a daughter. Maybe even yourself, personally, you, you feel lost today. And so you come to church looking for answers. Maybe you just come to church looking for hope. Maybe you just come just because it's just out of the routine and ordinary. You've just been invited by a friend. But I actually want you to know this morning, I think God 
brought you here because he wanted you to know that he finds every lost thing. He knows where every hidden thing is. And in fact, he, um, he knows that everything that's been lost will be found. And I find this very true in this story or stories that we see in Luke chapter 15. With me, with your Bibles uh, or on your devices, your tablets, would you look at verse 1 and 2 with me of chapter 15 in Luke? And we get to understand the context of who he's talking to. So I guess we can see that he's actually talking to us. He says in verse 15, chapter 15, verse 1, he says, Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So we have four different types of people in this room, but really there's just two different types in their mindset. We have the sinners and the tax collectors. Now, every one of us have, would be considered a sinner. Every one of us in this room, we've all fallen short of God's perfection. We have sinned. Sin is just a big way of saying, I've missed the mark. I'm not perfect. And I know a lot of us would love to say that we're perfect right where we're at, but the reality is, nah, we're, we're not. And we know about tax collectors, don't we? Nobody likes those guys anyway. All right. But if you work for the IRS, hey, God bless you. Uh, but, but, but the reality is, in those days, these were the worst of the worst, the bad guys, so to speak, the sinners. But then there was the righteous ones, the holy, holier-than-thou guys. You know, the, uh, the people on Facebook that say, I'm a Christian and you're not? that point out all the fingers, they're, they're called, in their day and age, we could call the Pharisees. They uphold the law, the truth, and, and look at me. Ha, 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 I'm the best. But in reality, Jesus knows who he's talking to. They're all sinners. They've all fallen short. And this is why God came. I like how Paul the apostle said it this way. He says, God demonstrated his own love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, every one of us have fallen short, but yet Jesus wanted to come to this world to demonstrate who he is for mankind that, and you who you are, that he loves you. And you're not ever too far gone to experience a relationship with God Almighty. And he wants for you to understand his story for your life, his love for your life. And that's why I think he gathered around with sinners and tax collectors, Pharisees, scribes, leaders, teachers, whoever they might be, he just wanted to come and unpack a story for them. Now, they're also Jews, Jews who grew up understanding this Old Testament, the law of God, to follow certain customs and, and things. So he, he wants to share with them in their, even their geography, the people that they would know. So he's going to bring about a, a woman who's, who's poor, doesn't have much. He's going to bring about uh, a shepherd, and he's going to bring about a family uh, a family situation. So let's look at the first one here, verse three. He, he says, let me tell you a parable. Let me tell you a story. Why don't you sit down, nestle up around the campfire, and let me tell you something. What man among you, if he has a 100 sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? He's like, do you guys know of a shepherd that would, would not leave his own sheep in the pen, and go after the one? He's like, you've never heard of that, have you? No, of course you would go after that because this is what a shepherd does. He says, when he has found it, though, this is what he does when he goes and gets that one sheep, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me. Would you say that with me out loud? Three, two, one. Rejoice with me. All right, now even you at home, you do that well with us. Everybody, three, two, one. Rejoice with me. Let's rejoice. It's like, I've just found my, my, my lost sheep. I brought him back. I'm bringing him on my shoulders. I'm so proud of him. Look, look, he was bad, and he came back here in this, in this home, in this context, for what has been lost has now has been found, he says. He says in verse seven, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over just one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who have no need of repentance. They got, there, there are so many here in this fold of mine, in this big family of mine that are a part of the family of God, but I'm so excited, I'm so delighted when I see one of my own come back home. That idea of repentance there is that idea of changing of one's mind, is coming back home. It's just like you've been, you're going down Bell Road and you saw that, man, I missed it. So I saw that sign, the U-turn sign. So I, I turned back around, and I'm never going back down that wrong way. I'm coming back the right way, the one way. And I'm going to dis- discover what, what my shepherd, my, my, my father, my savior has for me. Remember, it's a story of speaking of a, of a spiritual, a heavenly theme. Something common in those days. There were shepherds. They get that. And there was also the, the poor widower, the, the woman. It says, verse 8, it says of that woman... If she has 10 silver coins and loses that one, doesn't she not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? I know I do that looking for the remote. <laughs> I'm like, right? So, so when she finds it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors saying, what? Rejoice with me. Come on, everybody, you say it together. What? Rejoice with me. For I have found the coin that I have lost. Come on, you know you do that when you find the remote. You're like, yes, woo, let's put up Roku again. All right, here we go. And it's like, in the same way, in the same way, the heavenly perspective, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over the one sinner who repents. Ah, man, I, like, you, you don't understand. When, when, when one comes back home, when one is found, everybody's like, let's rejoice, let's celebrate. There's such a great time. But maybe you didn't understand those two. Maybe you'll understand it more personally because I'll tell a family story, Jesus says. Let me bring it back home more, a little more personally because maybe, maybe you're a parent of a child. Maybe you have a couple kids. They got it all going. They know what's going on in, in their world. And, and, and maybe you're one of those kids. Actually, maybe who I'm speaking to right now, you're one of those children. That's, this applies to you. And so he said in verse 11, there's a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. Now, most cases, dads would say, uh, you, know, you know, you don't get the wealth, especially in the Jewish culture, you don't get this until uh, you actually, I die, right? I, I give away my, my, my estate. Then I give it to my son. And if you're my firstborn son in the Jewish culture, you get a double portion. You get an extra, extra uh, of a blessing. But he's like, dad, I want it now. And what does the father do? A good father, 
So he divided his wealth between his boys. He divided his wealth between his boys. Do you, do, do you understand that the concept here? What? Just pause for a minute. Like, what is happening in that home? Begin to write down and think about what, what might that young man actually truly be saying? He's saying, Dad, give me the share of the estate that falls to me because, Dad, I wish you were dead. I do. I, 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 your way is not my way. I have my own plans, and you keep telling me how to run my life, and I'm tired of it. I'm exhausted. You don't know me. I, I'm, I'm grown. I'm mature. I, I've got it all figured out. And I want my freedom, and I want to have my own family now. I want what belongs to me now, and I've got to do it right now. You give it to me, Dad. You give it to me. And I'm going to keep coming at you and keep texting you and keep calling you. I will Facebook you. I will Instagram you. I will Twitter the snot out of your, your social media Facebook world. And I'm, I want you to know right now, Dad, give me what is mine. But I didn't have to go that far. The dad said, okay, I'll give that to you. I love you, son. I began to think, like, what, what is it that brings a child to that place? I didn't have to go that very far. I just had to look in the mirror. <laughs> just had to ask my own self because I've been a child to my own parents. And I've, there was a season and time I, wa I wanted out. You don't know, I mean, some of you know what it's like. You have your own, some of yours kids right now, students, awesome. We've got it all figured out because you know how to plan your own life. You got it all your way. I couldn't wait to get out of my parents' house. They put a time limit on how much hot water we could have for the whole family, 15 minutes. And if you weren't in and out, you weren't in and out, it was, it was done. I couldn't wait to get out of my home and be in, in my own house with no timer and sit in that shower as long as I want. And it happens to this day. <laughs> I enjoy it. But I get it. There was a time limit. And there was a time too, like I... Why do I'm on a date with my future wife? I, why do I have to come home by a certain time? I'm, I'm a grown-up. I'm 21. I, I, I can, why do I have to submit to your authority? I'm a, I'm, I have my own car. I have my own job. Why do I have to come at a certain time? You ever, you ever been there, moms and dads? I want you home at this time. Why? Because it's my house. It's my rules. Don't you respect me and love me? You'll honor me. That's what we say as parents. But we know as a kid, we're like, no, this is, you don't know me. Can't tell you how many times I did not obey those rules. I let my parents down. And I became righteous in my own eyes, thinking I, I could just do whatever I, I wanted for myself. See, I, I began to look in this man. I, I think he had pride. I think he was arrogant. I think he thought he could do his own thing. And something happens when we make choices. What we don't realize as individuals, we make a choice and it's like us throwing a rock into a, a, a water. And it makes these ripples. And there's a ripple effect that affects every single choice that you and I make. And it, it has consequences on every person around us. It does something to our friends, our own family. And it hurts us in a unique way. And actually we see what it does. Look at it, it says there in verse, uh, in verse 13. It says, not many days later, after he got his money, he went away. The younger son gathered everything together, 
and he went on a journey into a distant country. Would you say that word with me? A what? A distant country. This is, this is the idea. He separated himself. I want to divide my, not just the wealth, and I'm the younger, so I don't even get the, the most of the portion. I only get some of the portion, and I, I just want to separate myself from the family. I want to divide. I, I just want to be away. And as a parent, boy, does that hurt. As a parent, a division within the home is catastrophic. There are so many moms and dads who do their very best, that raise their kids the best that they can. And yet, we tend to look at ourselves and say, what have I done? What did I do to push my child out so far to not come, to not want to be here? That I can't even see my own kids or grandkids that they have. What has pushed them so far back? And I begin to hold on. What we do is we hold on to these things. And we hold on so tight. And, and, and it hurts us. And we begin to blame ourselves. My dad, um, he was a UPS driver for 30 years. And so he would, when he would teach us, he'd always teach us how to drive a car. And one of the things he taught me, uh, I had to write this down, so I wouldn't forget it, so I have it here. It's a quote from my dad, from all you drivers out there in the world. You, you'll understand this. A good auto driver knows that you need to keep your eyes on the road. Never drive looking into the rearview mirror the whole time. Because if you do that, you'll get into a wreck. Have you ever just driven your car and tried to drive backwards? Always looking through the rearview mirror, trying to go forward and just looking what's behind you the whole time? Because you're concerned about the driver's way behind. Or you're, just, you're worried about the concerns that you even went by. Why? I don't know. We do that sometimes. But it, the idea is, how many of us always look backwards at the things that we've done that cause a situation and we blame ourselves? We keep looking in the mirror to the things of the past instead of moving forward to what lies ahead and to what God has for us. I like how God spoke to Moses and Joshua. He says, uh, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous, to walk in the strength of my might? Do not be fearful at all or full of dismay, but remember, I am, I am with you. He's saying, like, I have a promise for you. I need you to trust in my word. Do not lean on your own understanding of things. But in every way, acknowledge me. Don't be like this. Don't be holding tight. Don't be mad at yourself because maybe a child is lost. Because in this room right now, I know I'm speaking to some of you. Speaking to some of you who have, your child is not in the place that you had always hoped they would be. But I want you to hold on to the promises of God. Listen to what God's word says in Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says, train up a child in the way they should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I like how Eugene Peterson, he wrote it this way in his paraphrase of the Bible. He says, point your kids in the right direction because when they're old, they won't be lost. It's the idea of like, you've got to hold on to God's promises here because you don't know what God's trying to do. Maybe this is the story, their story to get their attention to come back to the Father to come back in a relationship with God that, is, that they would want to follow the Lord. They want to walk with Jesus. But sometimes we try as parents, we try to cram it, cram it, cram it in because we're so afraid of what could happen to them. 
But if we hold on, hold on, we will never get to see what God wants to do. And we really need to adopt Elsa. Let it go. Let it go. Don't hold it back anymore. And and watch your dress just turn into... (laughs) Imagine, just imagine if we let it go. And allowed God to do the unthinkable because he, this is the story I see from the father. The father just like, okay, son, your story is not how I, I would have written it, but maybe this is a story how God's writing it. And he says this, verse, well, we see this, what happens. And this is what God wanted to do. Verse 14, it says, now when they had spent, when he had spent everything, do not miss this. I highlighted, circle this, underlined this in my Bible. A severe famine occurred in that country. And so he began to be impoverished. Here's this man who goes to this different country and he squandered his estate on loose living. Tells us in verse 30, one of his things is that he spent his money on was prostitutes. He, he spent it on Playstations, spend it on Xbox. I got this membership to this gym. I've got this membership to this TV subscription. I've got HBO Max, Disney Plus, Netflix. I'm, I've got everything. I've, but you're like, no, you know, as a parent, I've kind of taught you, you're supposed to, you know, pay for your insurance, pay for your car, pay for your house. You know, you got bills to pay for. You need food on the table. Yeah, I know, I know. But I need this subscription. I need this car. I need these types of wheels. I need this type of look. I got to get this many tats because I got to impress my friends. I've got to look a certain way before others. And crazy enough, he didn't see it coming. But remember, some of you are like, Y2K, oh, 9-11, Uh, 2012, whatever crazy recession happens, God used a famine in the land. He used something to grab a hold of this young man's identity. To grab a hold of like, he's trying to grasp every single straw. He's trying to like find purpose. And we could try to find purpose in every type of thing in this world that this world has to offer. And yet he couldn't still feel that ache within his heart that he just couldn't shake and he's trying to find it. What is it that's in there? I'm just trying to get out. What is that I'm looking for? And so God uses this famine. He's, he's got nothing left and now he can't even have any food. So what does he do? A young Jewish boy, he, said, he does it, or young Jewish man, I should say. So he went out, verse 15, and hired himself. Hired himself out to one of the citizens in Rome of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. A Jew and a pig? No, no, no. You don't, you don't do this. What are you doing hiring yourself out to this, uh, probably it's some Roman dude in the land? And will, will you feed me? He's like, nah, I won't even give you Roman meal bread. You got to go eat out here with the pigs because he's like, verse 16, and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating and no one was giving him anything to him. Not one person would give him a a, a dime, a cent, something except for these pods. You've seen these? Probably in around in different trees as you walk in a park. I know at Cortez Park when I was growing up, you always see these things lying around the ground everywhere. And and they're like, I always thought about eating them. Now I know what they are. These are the type of, they're they're called a um, carob pods. And you can eat them. They're happily actually help a pig uh, go diarrhea. Uh, 
or not go diarrhea, because anyway, so if you want to help your intestines one day, you know, go, go eat some of this stuff. But he's like, I would rather eat this. What a Jewish boy would say, no way, Jose, I, I could not eat this. But he, he would say, I, I don't care. I'm hungry. It put him in a place of despair. And so what happens? What happens when you just let God be God and let God do the unthinkable? Verse 17. Ah, there's that cool word. Would you say the first word with me? Three, two, one. But, come on, that wasn't everybody. What, what? Three, two, one. But it's the word of hope in our Bible. Here's the worst, but let me tell you the best that is yet to come. But when he came to his senses, ah, God used this, this whole environment, this whole scene. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my own father's hand, hired men, have more than I do? They have more than enough bread, and I, I'm dying here without hunger. I'm eating these silly pods. I will get up. You know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, Dad, I have sinned against heaven. I love that. He, he acknowledges I've sinned before God first. And then he says, and, and I have sinned against you and in your sight. In fact, God, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I, I want to humble myself. I, I, I don't even, why, who am I to call myself even a child of yours? Make me then as one of your hired men. Just, I just want to be a servant. I want to be a slave. I don't even need to be your son. I just want to come home. Would you welcome me to come home? So he got up and he came to his father. Now I want you to know what he's about to walk into. The reality is for a young Jewish boy, he is going to come back. If you've disowned your parents, if you've done something wrong before the culture in that day, you were sentenced outside the city gates. You were not welcome into the city. You had to sit outside the city and be judged by your peers, by your elders. And sometimes they would spit at you. They would mock you. They would make fun of you. They, they would even at times, if it was so severe, they would take stones to stone you. This is all written down for them from the Lord and his word in Deuteronomy. And he says, like, this, this is what should happen to a son who, who comes back, who, who has been rude and evil to their, to their father. They have to have consequences, right? Everybody, you do something wrong, there must be a consequence. You must be punished. You must have this thing. But I want you to see verse 20 in the, in the light of the gospel, in the characteristics of the shepherd to the to the woman who found that coin, to this right here. Check, check this out. Do not miss this. Verse 20, one of the coolest passages in all of scripture. So he got up, came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his dad saw him, felt compassion for him, and he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And he said, and so the son, man, he's got his all, remember, he's got it all mapped out. This is what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say all this. He says, he says, well, Dad, I, I, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I, I am actually no longer worthy at all to be called your son. And he's about to go into and say, and make me as one of your hired men. But he doesn't even get to say it. He doesn't even get to go there. In fact, it says that the father stopped him and he said to his slaves, hey, guys, guys, quickly, quickly, right now, I want you to go get the best robe for my son. I want to put, I want to have you put it on him. In fact, I, I'm going to get my ring and put it on his hand. I'm going to give him sandals and put him on his feet. I'm going to bring the fatted calf and kill it. And by the way, man, we, let's eat and celebrate because 
Let's rejoice with me. My son is home. This is, this is awesome. My son of mine who was dead has now been alive. He was once lost, and now he's been found. And everybody is like, I want you to know this. I, I like, son of mine, boy, you've been so gone. I, I need to celebrate with this, this deep ownership of the characteristic value of God. You need to know this today, whether you, you maybe you might be one of these children who has turned your back on the father. You might be a son or a daughter to your, your own mom or dad, and you're thinking you've gone so far gone. But li- listen, if, if uh, us as followers of Christ could act like our Father who is in heaven, then we should be able to forgive one another the way the same God has forgiven us. Imagine if we, if we could do those things, because this, this Father in the story is a picture of a heavenly story, a, a, a fact. You see, when you come back to the Father, God places you uh, a robe on you. I like how Isaiah the prophet, he says it this way. In Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, he says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God. In fact, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. You see, what God does to every single person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus who has received a gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ because when he died on the cross, he died for everyone. He died for all of our sins. And when we believe on him, we become a part of his family. He says we become adopted into his family and thus we have been clothed with his righteousness because our God is not dead. He didn't stay dead for three days. After three days, he rose from the grave and because he lives, he offers us a new life. He offers us hope. And he wants to clothe everyone with his righteousness. And now he doesn't see us in our our sinful ways. He sees us in all of his glory. In fact, he's going to give his son a ring, a ring that symbolizes a sign of authority. Because every marriage, you, you might see at a wedding, they'll say, I give you this ring of this sign and symbol of one's unending love. Because there is no corners to this ring. It's It's round. Speaking of its never-ending love. And not just that, but he says, I want to give you sandals. And you might be thinking, well, everybody had sandals. No, 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 but a servant. In in a Jewish mindset, servants had no sandals, no shoes. But he's like, I want to give them my best sandals. Give them Jordans. You know, give give them what's great. Give them the best of the best. In fact, I would say, not only that, he'd say, I, I, I want to throw a party for you. I want to celebrate with you. Let's bring everybody together and let's come together and celebrate something great and grand. Because this is, isn't that what the father's story is? This is, should be your story. Every single one of us, the moment you gave your life to Christ, you believed on Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do you know there was a party in heaven? Because the angels, did you catch that before? The angels in heaven were <laughs> rejoicing. That idea of repentance is one of the changing of one's mind. It's like you believing for the first time that Jesus Christ is God. He's your God. He's your Savior. That I'm someone in need of a Savior. And the angels in heaven rejoice. Everybody around the family of God, they rejoice. I mean, he's got, he's got remember the picture of the, the, the sheep on the guy's shoulders? He's like, come on, let's have it. I'm, I'm rejoicing, aren't you? 
This is that whole picture. And yet there, it's just not the sinners and tax collectors he's speaking to. He's speaking to, he's speaking to those Pharisees, those religious quote-unquote leaders, the holy ones that like to show judgment and condemnation for the wrong things they have done. Sometimes it happens that we harden our heart, and that's why there's a, a third person in the story, the other brother, the older brother who never left. Tells us in verses 25 through 32 that this brother calls out his younger brother. He's like, Dad, I've been the good son. How come we're going to throw a party for him? How come you're going to put a robe on him? How come you're going to put a ring on his finger? How come you're giving him shoes and sandals? I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's right. Did you remember what he did? You remember how he caused all that havoc in you and mom? You and mom have wept and cried for years for this guy to come back. And now that he's back, you're just going to forgive and forget? You're just going to move on? How dare you? I can't. See, there's that other person in the story. And this is the person that Jesus really wants to speak to. And maybe this is you today. There might be those who have been so far gone, so far removed from Jesus. And then they come back and you're not ready to receive them. You're so mad and you're so upset. You're so frustrated and angry because of what they've done to you and your family. And it's hard, it hurts. Can you forgive? What happens if, if that person comes back into your life? You know all the wrong things, how they've hurt you. Could you just welcome back and love them and accept them the same way Jesus Christ loves them? I would love to say, you're like, yes, absolutely, I could. Could you? Let's be real. I, I, I get it personally. I know this story all too well. It is so hard to welcome somebody back that's hurt you and has you feel like they shouldn't be welcomed back. But I can't be so tight. Can't have my fist up to God and say, why? Look at all those years that have been lost. I have to open up my hands and say, God, please you be God. Who am I? For I have sinned and I have fallen short of the glory. You welcome me with open arms. You put me on your shoulders. You, you said, come to me all who are weary, who are burdened, and you want to give me rest because your yoke, your shoulders are easy. Your burden is light. Lord, you want me to cast all of my cares upon you. That's how I should be to those that come back, that come back to the Father. Because when somebody comes to the Father, when somebody comes home, did you see, did you, don't miss, don't miss this, church. Don't miss what God was doing. He's trying to describe his nature and who he is. Because when he sees his son far away, far away, it says he had compassion. There in that original language, he's saying it, something stirred up inside of him. He was so moved, and his eyes were always looking to and fro. He was looking throughout this world, looking for his son. The father's always looking. The father's always wanting for that son just to do this, just to turn, because he's right there. He's right there, and when he sees his son, he's all, son, son, my son, son, you're home. You're home. Oh, yeah, you're standing. 
You came back home, my son. I love you. I love you. You're, you're my son. I miss you. You know, I miss you. Here. This is yours. I want to give you my jacket. In fact, in fact, just in case you had come back, I got you a ring. It'll pop. And, and this is yours. In fact, I've, 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 I even got you some Jordans. And they're, and they're yours. And, and I love it. I'm so excited because everybody, that's right. We need to have a party. We need to celebrate. Celebrate good times. Come on. My son's come home. He's come home. Celebrate good times. Come on. This is my son. He has come back to the Father. Here he is. Celebrate good times. Come on. Here he's here. This is my boy. He's come back. He's here. Celebrate good times. Come on. Woo! Welcome home here. You can have a seat. You can... That's yours, buddy. That's yours. I, you've come home. That's my son. He's so proud. He's like, let everybody know. I, I want to celebrate and rejoice. And this is what it's like in the family of God. But there are many of us, so many of us that have feel like we've squandered. We've lost all of that inheritance. We've lost our identity, our purpose, and we look for it in so many other things. And so maybe I'm speaking to three, I think there's three types of people in this room today, truly. One, I believe there's the mom and the dad might have a son or a daughter that you have raised, that you have loved, and you blame yourself and you look in that mirror and you keep looking backwards. And God's like, no, I don't want you to. I need you to look forwards to what I'm going to do to bring your son back home. And he just wants you to let go and to let him be God. I, I think there's a, there's a second person in this room that, that uh, might be that son, that daughter that has squandered that life that's been given. You grew up in the church. You've known God. You know of him. You even professed his name before others, and yet you have turned aside and you have walked the wrong way. You might even cause damage to your own marriage because of your attitude and your behavior. You might have stepped into something that you didn't mean to, but yet you kept going there and going there, and you feel all alone. How could I come back to the Father? And I would say, no. You see, God loves you right where you're at. And he's just waiting for you to turn around, to change your mind, because his mind's never changed about you. He's always loved you. In fact, nothing ever could separate you from that love. Not any death. Nothing you could do in this life. There's not even an angel in heaven nor thing present or anything to come that could ever separate you from the power and strength and might of his love and his forgiveness for you. And he just wants you to come back. And there might be some of you in this room that have never even understood or imagined what that type of love looks like. 
that forgiveness, that acceptance, that love of God. See, he loves you right where you're at. And he wants to move in you and upon you and strengthen you and to remind you, maybe for the first time for you to know, that he wants to celebrate with you bring you great hope and compassion. What I'd like for you, us to do, just for a moment, I want you to ponder. I want you to pray. I want God to speak and just move in this place, maybe right there at home. We're going to sing a song together. I, I just want you to listen to the words. Because God's speaking to you, and he's talking to you, and he wants you to not just sit and, and stay stagnant in the relationship that you have with the Father. But he wants you to act and to respond for him to minister to you in a powerful way. Father, I just ask right now as you just, would you, would you move in this room like never before? Would you speak to us and grow us to know your love, Jesus? Minister us to right now.